When I got married, my father officiated the ceremony. I remember him holding up a gold ring and saying, this is a symbol of eternity. It's a perfect circle. A circle is infinite, unending. It goes on forever. It symbolizes God's love for you and the love you are called to have for each other. He quotes, love never ends. As he hands it to my bride, I catch a glimpse of an inscription on the inside of the ring and an abbreviated scripture reference, SS63. She takes the ring and puts it on my finger. Then, for the next four years, I hid from her. Those years weren't all bad. There were many good things that happened in those years, many good memories, but I was always hiding. The secret I hid was the fact that I was looking at pornography as I had done since childhood. It was this weird corner of my life that I'd compartmentalized so well that I rarely thought about it. Maybe I'd hidden it so long that I was hiding it from myself. Maybe I'd lied about it for so long that I was lying to myself. I never got caught. We never talked about it. She was never suspicious. I never even thought to confess it. Then one Sunday, four years after that wedding, we're sitting in church and I start to feel uncomfortable. The preacher tells a Bible story of a husband who sins against his wife. The husband confesses his sin to her and her response is this, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. The preacher notes that her response is a statement of covenant. It has the same structure as God's covenantal statements found elsewhere in scripture. I will be your God and you will be my people, period. No conditions, no clauses. I hear for the first time about something called Hesed, covenant love. As I sit there shifting nervously in the pew, I think to myself, what kind of love is this? bound so tightly in this covenant that it can't be broken? How can it not be broken if one side of the covenant is not upheld? I start to get more uncomfortable. I blush. I shift. I sweat. There's no love that can't break. There's no love that I can't break. Oh, I could break it. As bad as I am, the lies I've told, the things I've hidden, I could break it. Is it not just another contract that says, I will love you if you love me? Love is just like everything else on this earth in that it has conditions. But this is said, this love is a covenant that says, I am yours and you are mine forever. No conditional clause. Oh God. I could run a million miles and you would catch me. I moved 3,000 miles to hide from you and you found me here. 
I can't escape your love or break your love. With all I've done, you still love me. You love me no matter what, forever. Love never ends. After church, we walked to a nearby park and I confessed everything to my wife. That day, God's loving kindness, his steadfast, long-suffering, unbreakable love led me to repentance. And amazingly, she forgave me. To this day, her response is one of the greatest pictures of said I've ever seen on the earth. Her response was covenant love. A few days later, I was washing my hands, and when I picked up my ring from the ledge of the sink to put it back on, I noticed the engraving. I hadn't looked at it for years. My father's words echoed in my head. The gold circle seemed to perfectly describe the passage engraved into it. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Song of Solomon 6.3 Welcome to Lyric, a podcast of stories, sermons, and songs. I'm a worship pastor in Seattle, Washington, and I lead a band called Ghost Ship. And to start things off, we're going to tell the stories behind some songs on a new record by Ghost Ship called Costly. We won't always talk about Ghost Ship songs. We really just want to tell good stories. So we'll tell all kinds of stories and talk to all kinds of people. But we'll start here with the story behind a song called Hesed. And before we get into the conversation about it, here's a two-minute clip of the song. You will be our God And we will be your people You have made this covenant with us There's no
So next is an interview we recorded back in the summer where we tell the story of the songwriting and recording process of this song, Hasid. So this week, Shay Carlucci is here. You may know Shay plays keys in Ghost Ship. It's true. And if uh, you can't tell I'm playing keys, I'm the guy that usually has just a huge red beard on his face. <laughs> usually, but not today. <laughs> today, Shay and I are sitting in my office at Cross and Crown Church in Seattle, Washington, and we are sharing a bottle of water. That's today. true. And I do not have a beard because it has been so hot here in Seattle. <laughs> it is hot. If you don't know, Seattle, people in Seattle do not have air conditioning. So when it gets hot here, there's no escaping it. You can either just sit in your car with the AC on or uh, shave your beard. Or, actually, side note before we keep moving on, I don't know if you guys saw this recently, but you can actually do a do-it-yourself air conditioner. Take oh, a yeah. Small, totally saw that. A small uh, styrofoam cooler. Mm-hmm. Cut one small hole in the side, a larger one on top of the lid. Fill it with ice. Take a fan, put it on top of the lid blow air into the ice out of the small hole to the side. Do it yourself, air conditioner. That is brilliant. You know what? That is true. You know who proved that is <laughs> Doug Feinprock, our drummer. He actually made one this year. Wait, was it there at the barbecue last night? I think he might have run Probably out. just the <laughs> remnants of it? <laughs> he ran just out of, styrofoam in he a He ran puddle. out of ice. <laughs> <laughs> we were having to use the ice on the drink, so his AC <laughs> was out of power. But yeah, so if you're here in Seattle, keep it cool. Uh, do the ghetto styrofoam AC. We're uh, we're sponsored. <laughs> we are. We're, we're sponsored by the company that makes those cheap styrofoam coolers <laughs> that you get at the grocery store. We don't actually know the company's name, and they're unnamed. They're unmarked, yeah, unbranded. Go to, yeah, go to a local store, you'll find them, and we will get money for that when. When they count how many styrofoam <laughs> coolers have been sold this week in Seattle at Fred Meyer. <laughs> so anyway, we're talking about how we recorded this song, Hesed. This song, I wrote it earlier this year. I wrote it almost exactly a year ago, last summer, at a beach house in Oregon. Uh, but Shay co-wrote on this song, and also a buddy of ours, Kevin Matley, co-wrote on this song so we'll just talk about the story about how the song came to be yeah so has said the name comes from a hebrew word uh, which i was talking about in the story earlier but the hebrew word for covenant love gets translated as loving kindness and this is uh obviously something i've just been stewing on for a long time actually back in 2007 i wrote a different song called Hesed during the, the time that Haley and I were going through that we talked about earlier. Wrote a different song. It was called Hesed. We played it at clubs and things. Did you ever play did we ever play that song at a club? Or was that before I man, I don't just... So it had there's aspects of the current chorus that came from that original chorus. Anyway, it was a more personal song. It was more uh, to Haley. It's kind of a love song. But anyway. I don't, I don't even think I've heard that. Oh, dude, I should find a clip of that to play. That would be no, that would be, that would be embarrassing. I didn't even um, know that. 
That's new news to me. That's amazing. I want to hear it. <laughs> so here's how it started. Okay, I'm gonna find a clip. I'm gonna find an old clip. current iteration of said the way it started was Haley and I were on vacation in Oregon. Uh, some friends of ours from Georgia kindly let us use their house, and uh, man, it's just the best place to write, man. It's like on the Oregon coast, just like... Is this the same place you've been? In the woods. Yeah, we've been, been there a few, few times. Yeah. And uh, man, you know what's funny? I've written like half the songs for these last two records at this house. That's like sweet. Son of David was written there too. That's sweet. So here's the clip uh, of that song from The Beach House. way faster is that water in the background yeah that's the ocean <laughs> that's awesome so fast I think that I actually was down there in Oregon, like camping, independently from you guys. And I saw you on the beach riding, and I came out right here. Singing that harmony, that little ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do hear that yeah, faintly right. on this recording. And then I. Yes. Yeah. You didn't even know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, man, who's that bearded man in the bushes? <laughs> Some heavy breathing there at the end. Um, <laughs> Cam is a heavy breather. <laughs> and all my voice memos, there's just like <laughs> just sections of just heavy breathing. Because he just pauses and he's in deep thought and all you hear is just... It's, and, and then it sometimes it'll turn into an actual snore, and then <laughs> it'll be like an eight-hour voice memo. <laughs> My phone runs out of storage. 
But yeah, you know, when I when I first just wrote that demo, I just remember being super stoked about the melody. Because it's funny because, I mean, on the recording, it's like half the tempo of that, yeah. you know. But I think the parts about the melody that I was excited about still come through, even though the arrangement's vastly different. So yeah. for me, that's kind of one of the most exciting things in songwriting is writing a melody that you feel like is going to hold up with a lot of different arrangements. No matter what, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it does, because that's how it was originally going to be. It was going to be kind of fast. That's how we had originally practiced it. Should right? we show them the clip, the first band practice clip, where yeah. we made that demo that Jameson absolutely hated? I think Jameson was out of town. We did a band practice without him. We recorded this demo. And then, and then when we showed it to him at the next practice, he hated it. <laughs> and you're about to find out why. So... Here's that clip. I mean, I think, you know, when I listen to that, I'm thinking, I can kind of see why I hated it, I guess. Because I, I think it was a, it was like the first solution. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that songwriting is a lot like, you know, design or other creative things where like, with arranging specifically, I think what you're doing is you're looking for like solutions to problems. Like we're trying to write music to be sung at church and our arrangements are like solutions kind of yeah but well, I, think I think this was like that maybe it was just like an easy solution is that what was wrong with it well yeah i think this is the first record well this is the second record that we've done but the first time that we've written songs where we actually had to have a second go at it or a third go you know yeah. as far as versions <laughs> yep are concerned because our first record the songs that we wrote together usually first pass we had a good idea of what it was going to be, and that's how it ended up sounding on the record. Yeah, that's true. But I feel Thinking like, back. I don't know, it was, and it worked, and it worked really well. But I feel like on this record, we had to revisit it because it's not that the versions or the way that we played it um, weren't good. I just feel like it didn't reflect the actual content. It didn't reflect the subject matter well enough, you know? Yeah, that is, is a perfect true. example of that. I feel like we had, I feel like this record was a cool experience in that for all of us in arranging, what we were doing with arranging as a band was, I feel like digging deeper and deeper on what the concept of the song was and trying to get closer to like something that feels like the emotion of the lyrics exactly. and the melody. Because like you said, the melody itself works different tempos and in different, you know, different arrangements, but we felt like the content and the actual lyrics themselves just, it worked better in a slower, you know. Yeah, totally. So, you know what? You're right. And that just, I think I just need to say publicly, Jameson, you were right. <laughs> Version two of the song was horrible. I'm glad we did not go with it. So, really, on our record, what you're hearing is the third arrangement of the song. So, we had the first yeah. arrangement, just me 
by myself. The second arrangement was this kind of the first pass of what the band just kind of started jamming on it. And the third arrangement kind of came about in a weird way, and I'm really glad this happened. But Shay and I just got together with two of our friends here at the church that aren't in Ghost Ship, but Cole Morrow and Kevin Matley. We just got together with them to jam. Something really interesting happened in that session by mistake. So Shay, maybe tell them about how the... So I think initially, as you were showing, you showed... Did you show both demos to them? No, I think you just showed the second demo. I, no, I just showed the beach demo. Oh, okay. Because I didn't want them to like hear the second one and hate it. <laughs> okay. All right. So you showed the first demo, and as we were getting ready, I think Kevin just came up. Uh, Kevin started doing the bomb. Oh, bomb, yeah. Bomb. Kevin started playing this bomb. on the bass. That's kind of okay. where this arrangement started. It started with this bass right here. Oh man, so good. And that happened just as we were preparing. <laughs> so that kind of changed the whole trajectory. Yeah, so version three kind of started with that. We hadn't even started playing yet. I think uh, you were still tuning up. I was trying to remember the hook that I came up with. And uh, yeah. yeah, we just heard Kevin start doing this and uh, all our ears popped up. <laughs> we were like, what? What you doing, man? So yeah, he starts playing that. And this actually brings up a good thing. When we were jamming with Cole and Kevin, I feel like in songwriting, sometimes it's just good to like have an outside perspective. And I think that day was a really cool example of that because I'd been writing the song, I'd had the song for a while and just wanted some fresh ears on it. And Most of the songs on the record were already done. This was probably yeah. one of one of two or three that we just wanted to... You know, revisit, make sure we're going the right direction. Yeah, this was only like a few weeks before pre-production. And we'd had the song for a while. Yeah. And then we just wanted to get some fresh ears on it. And yeah, Kevin had some sweet ideas. So we started with that. And then how'd the piano riff come about? So we went back and forth, starting off with that bass part. We went back and forth with just different tempos. You know, going mm -hmm. back, should we keep it fast? Should we slow down? Is that too slow? And then I so, wanted yeah. to do like dun 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 So what ended up happening is as we're checking out the tempo, I started playing um the hook that I wrote, uh as I did that, I accidentally hit this sharp note. Here right here. So that was an accident. Yeah. That and I said, oops, <laughs> that wasn't the part. And before I started uh, over again, Kevin went, wait, 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 wait. That actually kind of sounded sweet. Do that again. So. And he walked over to me and played that, that second part there up in the high register. Yeah, it was kind of a, a, a tender moment <laughs> between you guys. <laughs> Just two guys at the piano. I wish we had a, I don't know, film crew just circling us. <laughs> Would have been really uh, magical. Love you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a cool, that riff is is just, it started with a mistake that ended up, Kevin kind of heard it and was like, whoa, wait. Yeah. That actually would be cool. So, yeah, the two parts in the higher register just was a fluke, and it ended up being really sweet. Do you ever wonder if, like, pretty much all dissonant, 
all music theory that is dissonant in any way started with a mistake. You know, like you hear all these. I mean, like pretty much. Well, let's just let's just say <laughs> let's just say what everyone's thinking. Jazz, the entire genre, just began with like a mistake, right? <laughs> like they weren't they weren't originally putting all those notes in those chords, right? It was just kind of like a dude fell onto the piano and it <laughs> he added. was just practicing some like like a big band, like a big big. He was, was trying like, to play power chords because you should just always stick to one and five, right? Like just just avoid dissonance at all costs. Yeah. Sure. Wait, what? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No disrespect to the genre of jazz, <laughs> but uh, at least for this song, the dissonance began with a mistake, and then we liked it. And I do love that riff. I do love the riff you came up with. I do think, here, let's listen to it one more time, just the full thing, so we can just enjoy the whole thing. guys killed it on that part and uh dude remember when you were tracking the part you said you had an out-of-body experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so i'll try to paint the picture it's me can brian eichelberger our producer we're in this abandoned church past midnight it's probably like 1 a.m we're in this small room where we're uh tracking most of this uh... side note on that room the room we used as the control room for this recording which we were in an abandoned church, which will soon become uh, Cross and Crown Church in Seattle. But at the time, it was abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> and our the room we were using as a control room was the old nursing mom's room, and it's right against the alley. And man, Brian and I heard some gnarly stuff <laughs> for those weeks happening in that alley. One my one of my favorites was we're trying to record something. We hear two dudes talking out there and one guy goes, man, there is just not a lot of meat on this bone. <laughs> we were like, oh, uh, we need to take a break. But anyway, um, back to that night. Yeah, you know what they say, if you, if you can't get the whole chicken, at least at take least, a wing. At least get the wing, man. If there's one thing that you guys take away from this podcast, just remember that. Yeah. All right. So anyways, it's about 1 a.m. We're in this room. And this tempo, it is so slow and was so difficult to play that part. Um, because up until then, I think we'd only played it that one time with Kevin playing the second part. So I had to learn that with just both hands at the tempo. It was. And when me and Doug and Jameson and Brian had gone to Montana for the first few weeks of tracking where we did drums, one of the things with this song was that it got slowed down even more. Because Doug had had the idea, hey, let's track the, the drums in like normal time and then slow it down to half. No, he was tracking it at double speed. Track double speed and then slowed it down to regular. So the drum sounds you hear on this are like slowed down by half and an octave lower than what was actually recorded. So the tempo had just gotten even slower. Yeah, so the whole, <laughs> the entire time, I'm like, I kept on pushing the tempo because I expected it to be there. I expected the 
the beat to be there and it just wasn't there every time I <laughs> every time I went. So at one point, because I kept on pushing the tempo, this is where the out of body experience happened. I remember Brian turns around his chair, Cam does as well, and he says, Okay, picture this. You're in the bottom of the ocean. You're a piece of kelp. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking me to pretend to be a piece of seaweed and to be tossed by the tide, <laughs> by the water, and just by the flow of the ocean. So if you can imagine this, me at the piano, 1 a.m., abandoned church, Cam and Brian, and we're literally all swaying <laughs> to the tempo. So do this now. If you're listening, stand there. Put your Stand with your ankles together. <laughs> Put your arms at your side and just kind of just sway. And that know? was my metronome. I remember <laughs> fighting laughter as I was trying to play like five minutes of this hook over and over again as Cam and Brian were just standing there swaying <laughs> back and forth slowly. It was... Hey, it worked. Yeah. It worked. Shay always enjoys watching me track vocals because brian gets me to do this weird thing where i like it's kind of like this i lift thing. one hand really slowly it's, it's as it, though it's going through molasses <laughs> or something is that an actual technique or is that something i brian think he made up it up with? i asked him if he like got it from somebody but i think he just he just made it up who knows it's pure genius though genius. Because, i mean obviously <laughs> <laughs> if you've listened to the vocals <laughs> obviously working whatever he's <laughs> whatever he's doing that is true yeah that was a fun night of uh recording it was awesome like I, I i feel like those moments where you're just like intensely focused and you're like in the zone and you literally are having an out-of-body experience <laughs> and like after hours of recording you're like where have i been for the past yeah. few hours those are the best man those are those are fun but the next thing i wanted to talk about on the song is one of my favorite moments is when it's in like the bridge of the song. There's like a long instrumental bridge. And what happens is, and, and I was pushing really hard for this in pre-production. I was basically pushing to say, hey, let's take the piano riff back to what it originally was before the accidental finger yeah. slip note happened. Because mm. that was really cool, but... You know, before that, Shay had had a different melody line in mind, and I was like, wait, it'd be kind of cool if you just play the correct note. Mm -hmm. The more brighter, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Basically, it's just, you know, the taking the dissonance out of there. Um, so here's that one. <laughs> Yeah, slight, but it, it changes. All right, changes so here, so you can hear them back to back. The first pass in this instrumental bridge is the dissonant one, and then it goes, and then it goes back to a note that's inside the scale. Listen to them back to back.
to tie that resolution, that resolve yeah. into the meaning of his head. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the idea of covenant love is that if we don't hold up our end of the covenant, God still does. You know, his covenant is like, I will be your God, you'll be my people no matter what. So, so when we play the wrong notes, <laughs> he comes beside us like Kevin. Moves our finger, just he plays just the up, right note. Just moves it from the black <laughs> key down to the white. Just down. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that says you're always just a half step from playing inside the key? Is that in there somewhere? <laughs> I don't think that's biblical, but it is true for all of you, you know, budding musicians out there. Just know, you know, when you're playing a guitar solo or something, just don't even think about key chord structure, harmonic structure. Just play whatever because the truth is you're always just a half step from being in the right key. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Something I learned in in college with my music degree. So that's maybe all I took away from it. All right, the last thing I want to talk about on this song is one of my favorite parts of this band, and that is the background vocals that Shay and Fancy do. Uh, man, dude. When you guys come up with your parts and then we sing in like three-part harmony, that's when I have the out-of-body experience. <laughs> and then in my out-of-body state, I sing a fourth part. <laughs> then, that's what that is. <laughs> I, we're, we're always yeah. curious to know it's what It's usually is. an octave below the melody. We so always hear that. My voice deepens. In our I, monitor. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to like listen to this chorus and listen to what you guys are singing and I don't even know what to say about it, but it's just awesome. Thanks, man. Your loving kindness, your long suffering, uh. and your faithfulness. I'm making an angry face right now. In your I wish there was a way to describe. Uh, there is a way to describe it. You know when, uh, like old school blues guitar players are doing like some crazy solo mm. that, where they go way up on the neck and then they just start to get this really like pained look on their face, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as if the most excruciating thing in the world is to play the higher notes on the neck of a guitar. Yes. Whenever I hear that. The harmonies you guys are doing, I get the same look on my face. I th yeah. There's no way to just not look, have that that good old pained guitar player look when you're listening to that. Yeah, I think that's just yeah, that's how we feel when we're taken out of our bodies, and we're honored. I know Fancy's not here, but I know that she'd be honored too to know that uh, we can do that. <laughs> we can give you that uh, that experience. The takeaway, the takeaway from this podcast is that's how we feel. When we are taken out of our bodies, Shea Carlucci. All right. That's, 
that's going to go down in history, man. So, uh, if you ever hear this like raspy, if you ever hear on any of our recordings, it's like a really old man in a young man's body who has, who's on the Jeremy Enoch slash Tom Waits plan of of drinking molasses and honey and whiskey and screaming into their pillow every night. Whenever you hear that, let's let's shake Carlucci. <laughs> and so <laughs> with that <laughs> I think that's I, I I couldn't think of any other way to close this podcast. I think that's the uh, I don't think we have any other choice. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Goodbye. Oh, man, I almost forgot. This record we've been talking about, Costly by Ghost Ship. It's out now. It's everywhere. It's in stores. It's on iTunes and Amazon. It's streaming. Check it out. For more info on Ghost Ship, go to ghostshipmusic.com. <laughs>